1: I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the
0: podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to
1: fly. Hi, Marjorie. Hey, this is one of my favorite things we do every month. It's our February Watch, Read, Listen. Mm -hmm. And part of why I love it is because, you know, pat on our back to ourselves, we watch, read, and listen to really good stuff. (laughs) And the proof of that is Daisy Jones and the Six has already been made into a movie. It's Reese Witherspoon's company, isn't it? Yeah. Is Hello, sunshine. A- sunshine. Um, but you talked about this, what, a year
0: ago? Yeah, a long time ago. It's a Taylor Jenkins read book. I listened to it on Audible and I recommend that people listen to it on Audible. I recommended it then. And I actually recommend it now because I have had a couple of friends who have read the book and they haven't been quite as charmed by it reading it as I oh. was listening to it. Because When you listen to it, they had a full cast that narrated it, including Judy Greer, who I love. Right. Um, But they had a full cast narrating. And so they would flip through each character. And the premise of the book is Daisy Jones and the Six, this band. So the band is the Six. And then Daisy Jones is an artist who then ends up collaborating with the Six. And it's sort of like... Um, reminiscent of like a Fleetwood Mac behind the music kind of a oh, story. that's great. And oh, it's just great. great. And like anything from the 70s, you know, in the 70s, it was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You just do whatever you want in the <laughs> 70s. There's no consequences.
1: Oh, my God, Elizabeth, I have to send you a picture. So I'm going through all of my, we, we're going through the last of my mom's stuff. And yeah. I found a picture. It's a, it's a little, little snapshot probably taken with like one of my little cameras. I used to have little cameras and I'm in fourth grade and it was a road trip that my father and my three sisters took to San Francisco. So we're standing in Fisherman's Wharf and it just shows me and my two of my sisters and my yeah. dad, 1974, oh my God, the clothes. <laughs> I sh- I will say it's hard to see because it's color and it's sort of faded, but my dad is always looks like super hip, and like where I'm in these like wide flared pants, so good high heels, and I mean it's awful. No, it's awful. But it's like <laughs> I look back and I see some of that 70s fashion coming back. I'm like, don't do it, everybody. Don't do it. It does not look good. It's it always cyclical.
0: Good. Boy, it comes back. I also yeah. just love the idea of a childhood road trip. Like, Hey, you know what we're going to do? Let's drive from Chicago to San Francisco. Oh, that's I mean. my dad.
1: Oh, I told you
0: in Florida. It was so fun. You would do that he... stuff too, though. Like drive to Texas. I. It sounds like a living nightmare for me to get in a car with my three children and drive oh. across the country. There's no way
1: in his L, unless I was in some bougie RV, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I, no, I. Those are my favorite memories of my father. Honestly, of him being like, because he had his own company, so he'd be like, "We're going to Florida," and we would get in the car from Chicago and start driving. He would not plan anything, and then we would just drive until it was warm enough, until yeah. it met his, until it met his like need for heat. So and so we would end. We'd always end up in West Palm Beach. I mean, it was never you know, it was always around spring break. So it was never warm enough further north in Florida. No. So we'd always have to keep going south. We never made it to Miami, but always West Palm Beach was sort of, <laughs> um, but yeah, but very seventies clothes. And so uh, that's fun. But I, I love that, that uh, Reese Witherspoon like pounced on it, owns it. I think it comes out in the next couple of weeks. So.
0: Oh, I'm excited. I got to watch it. Okay. Well, speaking of Reese Witherspoon, she's in my pick for Ah, uh, watch for this month's watch, read, listen, and I just watched it last night. It's the Netflix rom com. It's your place or mine. It's with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. And listen, I love a rom com. I like right. rom com. Oh. I don't care that it's predictable of how it's going to end. That of course they're going to end up together. I mean, this is the rom com. It doesn't matter. But it's just, it was just lovely. It was so fun to watch. I mean, oh. Jay's out of town. I put the kids to bed. I sat down, I feel sick today because I ate like five pieces of the chocolate that Jay got me for Valentine's Day. So it was, I'm paying the price, but it was, it was lovely. And what I also really liked about it that I think that you'll enjoy is that they stayed true to the heart of the rom-com. It didn't feel like this ultra PC. We have to like force in all of this like obsessive representation just to show it. It was just it was just there. It was just the story. So like, it felt like, I don't know, like her, I forget the actress's name, Reese Witherspoon's friend is just this hilarious lesbian woman. And it just wasn't like a whole thing about her being a lesbian. It was just, she was just hilarious. Like that's great. So funny about things. She was always carrying coffee around and and just funny coffee jokes. I don't know. It was just, I'm in on the coffee jokes. I know you're totally (laughs) in on that. And it was just cute. It was like, There was also not, um, they didn't pit two women against each other to try to get a man. There was, there is a, uh, a situation where, um, Ashton Kutcher was dating someone and then she becomes friends with Reese Witherspoon's character instead of like this, trying to like take her down. Like my best friend's wedding. Yeah. 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 So I loved, I loved how it was like a rom-com that felt fresh. It felt modern. It felt like 2023. Um, while still staying true to what we love about a rom com, which is like that joyful, fun predictability and like fun to watch and fun clothes. <laughs> I yeah I, yeah
1: I I made my boys watch rom coms their whole life because I <laughs> felt like it was my duty as a woman to tra- to train them how to be decent boyfriends. And so uh, they and Campbell, you'll love this. Campbell actually called me last week and they had had trivia. They they do a trivia night at work, yeah. and it was uh, rom coms was one of the categories. And he's like. I didn't know a lot of them because a lot of the rom-coms were post 2000. So out of, you know, he was already kind of grown and gone, but there was one, and I can't remember which one it was that he got solely because he had been watching rom-coms as a child. So, but I think it's a good thing. I mean, you always have to, this is how I felt about raising boys. You always had to balance what they were inputting. Yeah. You had to give them just a bit of Mm -hmm. like girl silliness. They had to understand that world, not that rom-coms represent. I mean, I, Please don't email me and say rom-coms don't represent women. Please don't. Rom-coms are just fun. And it's fun. fun, It's fun to just explore love in the silliest, most unrealistic ways. So I think it starts conversations too. Like you can have conversations about it. And
0: that's sort of what, what I like about the idea. And I love that. And you know, there's always, it's, it just feels like, it's not like gratuitous sex stuff. You know, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. So I'm totally watching that. Yeah, I would love I want you to watch it. It was really joyful. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, what are you watching?
1: Well, I would have been, I would have rather watched what you watched rather than what I'm watching, Mm. which is The Last of Us. Do you know this on HBO? No. No. It's based on a PlayStation game that came out in 2013. It's about the apocalypse. It's very dark, but it's very good. It's the actor that stars in The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. And he's wonderful. And then it's about his journey with this young woman that he's sort of in charge of this teenager and how they have to cross the United States during this apocalyptic time. And the actress is from game of Thrones. She's a British actress. She's probably about 15 now, but if you watch game of Thrones, she played the young queen. Remember there was a little girl, she was like 10 and she was a queen of one of the lands during game of Thrones. She's an amazing little actress. I mean, she really is. It's very dark. But their relationship, it's only, and it's dropping once a week, which is very frustrating for me. I can't binge it. Um, but as they're developing the relationship between these two, it's it's—it's quite lovely. And then not episode five, I think it was, explored a relationship between two men during the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the sweetest. I mean, it's so bizarre that it comes in this show, and I won't go into much detail, but it's one of the sweetest stories I've ever watched. It's so beautifully done about two men falling in love, being dependent on one another, and caring for one another into their old age. Oh. It's, it, it, I mean, I actually cried. It's so, it'll win. It'll win. It'll get nominated for a gazillion, this episode, that episode in particular will get nominated for a gazillion Um for a gazillion Emmys, because it's just so beautifully done. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, it's, it is it is wonderful, but it's very dark, and it's very end of the world-ish, and it's a fungus that takes over the world. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be something like that. It's, yeah, it's going to be
0: something. It's very stressful. All so right. it's
1: zombie-esque and fungi-esque, and, but they're, they're telling some beautiful stories in the midst of that.
0: So. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go to what we're reading. So I just finished a book, and I downloaded a second book, From this author. Uh, Full disclosure, I listened to this one on Audible as well. Um, But I really liked it. You know, there's a blogger that I follow who just sent out a little note that she loved these two books by this one author. Her name is Madeline Miller. And so on a whim, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to download both of these with a couple of Audible credits because sometimes I like to get really outside of my box and not necessarily, you know, just. Okay, I don't even know what this is. I'm just going to listen to it because she said right. she liked it. Um, but it's interesting. It's um, The book is called The Song of Achilles. And it is just this real fantasy story. And it involves gods and kings and the idea of immortal fame. It's sort of, it, it's a reimagination of the Iliad. But Whoa. it's this adventure. There's an epic love story. And this is her debut novel novel. And um, it's all about this young man named Patroclus, who's born a prince, but in a very dysfunctional family. He is at one point then exiled from the family and moves to this other kingdom where um, he meets this young man who's a prince and also a half God. And so their this relationship continues. Yeah, it was intense. And I just found myself kind of like enjoying being transported to their world and their deep love for one another and their relationship and then how their you know, like the gods come into play, like all the different things. It was just very fun, very entertaining and very emotional. And I enjoyed
1: it. I really liked it. It
0: is called The Song of Achilles and it's by Madeline Miller.
1: When you does audible allow you to consume books in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you had to sit down and read because you know well, because you have the kids
0: yeah i have the kids so for me like i love listening to audible books when i'm like driving or i spend a lot of time in the makeup room at kstb <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> i wonder funny. how much time do i spend in here and so it, for me, it's really helpful as sort of like a pre-show ritual. Like sometimes there's there are other anchors in there or like Ben, my co-host, is in there and so we're chatting or whatever. And that's always right. totally lovely. But if I'm in there by myself and no one's in there and I just turn on a book and I kind of just turn on a story, it's a nice way for me to sort of like, okay, I just prepped for the show. Now I'm just going to depart from that. I'm just going to depart. I'm just going right. to put my makeup on. I'm going to curl my hair. I'm just going to kind of listen to a story. And then I pause it and then go put my shoes on, put my earpiece on and, and head on out to the studio and it's it's a nice way for me to not think about work while I'm at work and have that little pause before I go on the air
1: because i was I was thinking about that, so I read a lot, plus I listen to a lot on audible, but I think about like for for young mothers in particular who are readers, yeah, that was something I really missed when I had kids. I, I just was so tired all the time that it was hard to to dive back into a book, I would always fall asleep, fall asleep, then just even finding the time between work and the kids to to fit books in because I'm Mm -hmm. the kind of reader, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to read, i like to like find a cozy corner and I like to read for hours, you know, I like to actually get into it. And I think that's, what's been beautiful about Audible, even for me now is listening to books folds into your life so differently than reading Mm -hmm. books. And I know sometimes people who are kind of purists about reading a book will say like, it's, kind of not the same but as as we talked about daisy jones and the six sometimes it's better yeah i think so, so too. i like to have
0: one audible book going and one regular book going the problem too is that for me it's like i like to actually read a lot of um i like to listen to fiction and read my non-fiction because sometimes oh, if there's like a few days that go by and i haven't been able to pick up the book the physical book then i like have to freaking reread
1: it because i forgot <laughs> books were about. I don't know. It's not not holding information the way it used to. No. Um, Well, here's what I'm reading. I'm just going to be honest. I'm reading a lot of essays and keywords for children's literature, because that's the class I'm in right now, which I'm really enjoying. I can recommend the book to you. My professor was the editor of the book and it's outstanding. So I'm all about support professors who have books. He's so sweet because he assigned it for the class. And he said, "Look, I'm donating. I, I know you guys have to buy this, and I feel bad, so I'm donating some of the portions of to charity." So I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I don't think I know. You should I wouldn't have even to. feel
0: bad about that. I would be <laughs> like, I'm a professor. This is my class. I couldn't find the book that you guys need to read in order to get the material, so I wrote it myself. Freaking." Buy it. I am so. Listen, I appreciate you, Marjorie. I appreciate all these things. And and a, he should, you know, you can donate to charity, whatever. But like, right. I feel like we are in this land. Let me just aside here. We're Uh-oh. in this land. Uh I'm having to constantly qualify everything. Like, if I do this, if you buy this, like, guess what, guys? Content doesn't come for free. Like, at people's people's thoughts, people's effort, people's time is worth something. It is worth something. We have this like expectation that everything's just like free. And then if it is free, you don't get to criticize it. Am am I having like a hard time right now? Because I think I'm getting too many nasty comments on Facebook about me because and I'm like, you have a free, it's a free will. You don't have to consume anything that I put out there. If you don't like me, just don't listen.
1: No, but I mean, I do think I remember when blogging started to become a thing in yeah. the 2000s and our boss at the radio station I was such a little I was such a little kind of I I could have some attitude when I needed it and we were pressured as air talent you know as hosts of these shows yeah. to blog in addition I had to, to do that. Yeah, in addition to our, you know, on-air work, they wanted us to blog as well. And I and I was like no <laughs> um because I mean, I'm, I, I don't want to, it sounds pretentious when I say I'm a writer. I, I'm not a writer in that sense, but I am. And I studied writing and it's what I love and it's what I have done. And it matters to me. Mm-hmm. And because they were like, you know, you can just, you know, just sit down and just write something, you know, It'll take you like 15 minutes. And it's like, no, but you don't understand. This is a world I love. I'm, I wouldn't want anything made public that I sat down and just dashed off in 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to be a blogger. I don't, you know, I don't want that. And it I was, know. but it was kind of that feeling of like, of, of what is effort worth? And so people who create content and care about their content, you either offer it for free or don't, but it takes effort and it yeah. takes work. And yes. so it's not easy. If you want to do it well, or if you want to do something that's original, I mean, you can go on Instagram and you can see, I mean, I can't tell you how many people are showing me how to make immunity ice cubes. That's great. Okay. 18 people have showed me how to make immunity ice cubes. Do I think that content is like high level content that takes a lot of effort to make? No. Do, would I pay for it if they wanted me to pay for it? No. No. Right. They're putting it out there for free. So it, it passes through my Instagram feed. Right. But I, to your point, to your little mini rant, content has value. It comes from somebody's own space. And and right. if there is a price attached to it, pay it or don't pay it. I know. But don't complain that it costs money.
0: It's exactly so, you know, right. Yeah. So, so I think your professor should get to keep the money okay. if he wants to. And then he can make a charitable donation. He can max out his... Tax deduction, he could, he could donate every dollar he has. I don't think he should have to qualify requiring students to purchase his book. And I've taken a full turnaround on this because when I was in college, I felt yeah, totally differently. I felt uh, totally differently. I felt like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Now I'm like, you get it. You <laughs> You wrote that book. You wrote it. Like, I don't think the university was paying you to write the book. You no. wrote the book. No. And if you didn't, couldn't find the book out there that your stu- you felt your students needed, right. then you wrote it
1: and you should make some money out of it. There you go. He'll be very, well, I don't know how I'll feel about what you're saying. But anyway, it's, it's a well done academic book. I'm enjoying <laughs> it quite a bit. But just because I did want to recommend something, we're also, the unit that we're in right now is we're studying picture books. And I came across a book that um, I did not read to my children which I want to recommend to all of you that have young children, because I think it's fantastic. And it's called The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. And it's illustrated and written by the same guy that wrote The Polar Express. Do you have that book for your kids? Oh, yeah, of Um, course. By Chris Van Allsburg. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about it, I won't go to too much detail. The illustrations are kind of, they're all black and white, and they're sort of eerie. But the premise of the book was that there was a, An illustrator who went into a publisher's office, dropped these illustrations off. They each had one line of text and then the man disappeared. Mm. And so nobody really knows what the stories were to be for these pictures. So from a children's perspective, it gives you sort of what we call in like, like in writing classes, it's called a prompt line. It's a line that prompts you to then write a story. And so with each of these pictures, there's a prompt line which for kids is just a great thing. It opens the world to them. Look at this picture. What's the story you are going to mm-hmm. write? So it's a wonderful, it's great for, I think, like your kids, it would be great for your kids right now. It's great yeah. for writing, you know, it's great for imagination. So it's called The, um, um, the Mystery of, I got to look at the title, uh, the, mystery, the Mysteries of Harris Burdick. It's wonderful. Cute. Okay, yeah. that
0: sounds great little kids book. I like that. Okay, what are you listening to? How about you will do your listen first cuz
1: then, you know, then we'll talk about mine. Okay, this has become kind of an obsession. I'm I've read some of his books. I've listened to a lot of his books, but I I'm listening to David Sedaris's um I listened to Happy Go Lucky. Do you know David okay. Sedaris? Oh yeah,
0: Amy Sedaris's brother.
1: Yeah. Um and a great writer. I've read yeah. some of his work. Yeah, he's very funny. He became famous in 1992. When NPR tapped him, I think he did it on Morning Edition, to read his essays about being an elf at Macy's during Christmas. That's how (laughs) he became famous. And that was in 1992. And I loved him. Ian interviewed him in 1994 for his first book, Barrel Fever. And then I, when I worked at CNN, I was what's called a booking producer. And I was given great latitude on the show that I worked on to basically... If 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 the show was open to sort of come up with really creative, inventive guests, mm-hmm. now the cool thing about that was I had CNN's. I had access to pretty much everybody's phone number in the world. So good, so I could just cold call them. Yeah. And so I cold called David Sedaris, and it's one of my favorite times at CNN. It's because I'm sitting in my office, and we talked for like an hour. And he's so funny. And he's like, oh, I'm, and he's so sweet. He's like, I'm so sorry I can't be on the show. I'm moving to Paris tomorrow. <laughs> I'm so busy. Um, but that was the joy of that job and the joy of him. But I'm listening to it. And what's funny about it, I'm also listening right now. I'm in his journals from 1977 to 2002. And he reads them on Audible. Wow! And it's it's so interesting. For anybody who's interesting interested in writing process or just free thought, It's fantastic. And then it's really interesting to live 1977 to 2002 again through somebody else's eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the primary focus of his humor is his highly dysfunctional family, which sort of ties to last week about how to deal with dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And he's very upfront about, well, if I had to grow up in a slightly dysfunctional household with a father that wasn't so nice a lot of the time, my revenge is I'm going to make a hell of a lot of money off of it. And so- It's, it's, it's really, really interesting. But here's the downside. I feel like I have become slightly addicted to his voice and I can't go to sleep without hearing him. It's so weird. It's so weird. And I don't like, I tried last night to go to sleep without him and, and I couldn't, I'm, I feel really creepy and odd about this strange addiction I have now, but I have it. Because it's hours oh and gosh. hours and hours
0: that I've been listening to. Like him. some people are like, to get to sleep, I take a warm bath. I, mm-hmm. you know, take some magnesium. Mm-hmm. I like put an eye mask mm-hmm. on. I have a lavender diffuser. Mm-hmm. Marjorie's like, I listen to David Sedaris's voice.
1: I need him. <laughs> and it's weird. And I don't know how to escape it. So there it is. Oh my
0: gosh. What if you had to choose between Harry Styles and David Sedaris? Who would oh, you David make?
1: Sedaris. <laughs> Hands down. Complete and total addiction. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny! And he's such a it. friendly voice too. And like, I think I listened to like, I have finished theft, um, um, uh, theft by finding. I have finished it probably eight times because I put it on as I go to sleep, and then it just runs all night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Liz, I've never like, heard. It. I don't think I've ever even heard his voice.
0: Expected. I think because I just read a couple of his books,
1: and maybe only he's... one if he sang as it was, oh my God, that would be the combination of the two men that I love other than my my husband. The worlds would collide. That's
0: hilarious. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm listening to a podcast and I've just kind of got, I'd listened to a few episodes in the past, but then I just got into listening to some more um, over the last couple of weeks and it's called wellness mama. It's Katie Wells. She is like a healthy wellness junkie. Like I love this stuff. I just, it's like my hobby and she has. Really great guests on her podcast. And she's very well educated. So she asks great questions. Oh, it's such a nice. so, thing. yeah, it's nice. And her whole mantra is really like you should be your own primary care provider that 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 you need to take your the your health into your own hands. And she's probably going to say some things or have some guests on that some of you might disagree with. And I think that's fine because in terms of learning and science and progression, we all need to be having conversations about options that are out there and, and the different things. So I, she, I listened to one that she had with a doctor from Boston college who, um, who really is like the founder of this idea that cancer is a metabolic disease and really getting to the core of like these different treatments that vary, that are different from chemo and all these things. So again, like you got to go in and just kind of know that but they're that's
1: fascinating.
0: It's Fascinating. It is fascinating. And I just started one right now with another. Her name is Dr. Molly Maloof. She's a doctor. She is, she really talks about, she's young and she talked about kind of just realizing when she was in medical school that everything that she was learning in medical school was all about disease and treating disease instead of how to keep people healthy. And so right. she, so her practice was really focusing on that paradigm shift in terms of how she was going to look at practicing medicine, um, and less of a disease treater when she realized that 80% of the diseases that they were talking about were completely preventable. I mean, that's, and you know, we've talked about that here. That's, and I've, I've talked about that with cardiologists. Again, I always say, I'm not a doctor. Don't sue me for malpractice.
1: I've talked to doctors who are friends of mine, who their great frustration is people who will not take Their health into their own. Oh, for sure, yes. And just sort of pill their way out of it, but they won't ever get better if they don't change their diet. Yeah, if they don't change their diet, if they don't exercise, if they don't do the things that maybe could get them off some of these medications. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of physicians, it's very frustrating because it's like having a recurring dream. It just keeps happening over and over. A revolving
0: door, yes. They're just coming in and yeah. going out and then coming in and coming going out. out. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of interesting for me because so was I was listening to Dr. Molly Malouf today talk about all these things that she does, you know, she's into biohacking. So I always I like those kinds of things. And so she was talking about the things that she does on a daily basis, like her practice of being well. And it involves like, she has a PEMF match. She does red light therapy. She does sauna. You know, she's like taking off all these things. And I'm like, yep, check. I do that. Yep. Check. I do that. Like feeling quite good. And then having this realization of over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten out of my regular wellness routine. Hence the example of me watching a movie last night. Like I haven't watched movies because I lay on my PEMF mat and listen to a book and that's, and with my red light on, like that's what I do at night before I go to bed. But last night I sat and ate chocolate and watched a movie and I feel horrendous today. Like, it's so interesting to me, this idea of all these little things and these daily practi, if you will, I'm gonna go practi, I'm gonna turn it into a plural. These daily practice to to feel great. And you don't really realize the compounding effect of these small things and the consistency of those things until you stop doing them. And I went to Florida a couple of weeks ago and then we had the Super Bowl over the weekend. And then Jay traveled again. So I'm like all off kilter with like gotten in the sauna a couple of days, but I've consumed more alcohol than I normally have because I was at the, I, we had friends over for the Super Bowl, and I was like, I'll open more rosé. This is great. You know?
1: Yeah. It's great
0: till tomorrow. It's great. And then, and then you go, oh gosh, I realize how much worse I feel in the absence. Like you don't realize how good you feel until it's gone.
1: And And, and what I find fascinating is the inverse of that is true. Yes. Is And I think that's probably part of the problem of of not taking care of yourself is you don't know how bad you feel until you really work your way out of that rut Mm -hmm. and feel good. Yeah. Because I think we get ourselves into the routines of bad diet. And when I say bad diet, I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about, you know, not eating healthy Non-nourishing foods. foods. Right. Right. That you don't know what it feels like. And I think a lot of people actually don't really know what it feels like Mm -hmm. to to feel good. 100%.
0: Yeah. 100%. And I think you realize like, as I get older, my sort of my tether for being able to, (laughs) um, to veer from that course, it's so much shorter. I mean, it's just so much shorter because I mean, if I was like even 35 and I had like a week or two of like eating crappy and drinking, first of all, like I just, I, that was like the norm and I still felt fine. You know, I mean, I, I felt normal. It's like, you're forty plus there yeah. it is no joke, all the things that they say that like I can't do sugar like I could, I can't do alcohol like I could I can't like if i if a couple days of sleep aren't great, it sucks so bad
1: <laughs> like, well, i I remember when I was first started producing, I was probably i think I was twenty two yeah, and I was producing a ten o'clock newscast, so I would be there all the way through the six and ten. I never left my desk basically I was in a teeny tiny market it's like You're in a teeny tiny step, but you still have a half hour to fill. So it's like crazy hours. So I remember the anchor at the time, you know, beautiful woman. She was probably 32 or 33 at the time. And she was an anchor. So she would leave, you know, she could leave in between and she could go to dinner and come back. And she'd always just look at me and sort of shake her head because I was like all of 99 pounds. I mean, it's just like tiny little wet rat, you know, it's like I was just little. And she would look at me and she'd just shake her head because I totally ran on coffee and sugar. Yeah. Like that was my diet. I would have like uh, frosted flakes or tricks for dinner and then three more cups, three more cups of coffee. And, you know, did at the time, did I think I felt bad? No, I think I felt fabulous because essentially I was running on homemade cocaine. You know, it's like tricks and coffee. And I felt fantastic. But, I, you know, now if I do that, like I can't even really anymore eat. I don't eat sugar cereal, but I can't even really eat cereal for breakfast. Anyway. No, terrible. It does nothing for like, it does. It doesn't feel good. I don't feel good. No, um, it's a so racket. It it's not even like a food. <laughs> I
0: mean, you know, it was created by like how John Kellogg was like a super conservative seventh day Adventist who believed that meat like led to people masturbating more. And so he was like, we shouldn't be having any of this. It's crazy. I mean, it's, now I really can't have cereal. <laughs> It was this whole like fascinating, I've been like delving into some of the history of like some of our nutrition policies and then some of the things, some of like the things that lead to certain foods becoming ingrained in our culture and how it, so much of it has to do with like, with anything, with an agenda, with an agenda or like this, or with that, you know, when it's like religious based, a lot of times it's like this whole purification thing. I mean, it was like, that was the whole deal.
1: Well, that when, no um,
0: disrespect to Seventh Day Adventists. I don't know anything about Seventh Day Adventists. I only it, learned this about Kellogg recently. Okay, so
1: yes, we're we're very aware of criticism today. If we keep saying, please don't, please don't. But you no, know, I'm it, just getting a barrage
0: lately, and yeah, so it's it, like yeah. annoying
1: me. Yeah, I gotta um, I gotta
0: do some boundary work.
1: <laughs> I think it was Campbell that told me Campbell, my younger son was working um, in the Twin Cities during the pandemic, and he was working at an elderly food bank. I can't remember if he told me this or someone in Arizona who was working with a food bank, but this idea of how so many kids didn't even know what certain vegetables were. Oh, yeah. Because they just never crossed their the vegetables just never crossed their table. And how, because of that, so many vegetables were left at the food banks because people didn't even really know how to prepare them. Mm -hmm. And lest I sound judgmental, I don't know how to prepare any vegetables. I mean, I honestly don't know how to prepare vegetables. I I okay.
0: Okay. Sorry. That face was inappropriate. That was, okay. I'm going to rewind and you all are listening to this. So you can't see the face that I made, which was like, it was, it was a bit of horror mixed with shock. It wasn't a great face. It, it, okay.
1: Let's just say it was a fair face. (laughs) It was a fair face because I'm 58 years old. And, I really and at 58 understand. years old, you should know how to prepare some vegetables. I'm I just sh- going
0: to make that statement.
1: So my society way of, has failed you. It's my way of getting around it. And I used to do this with a kid is I would just blend them up into smoothies. I know. That's how I would get my vegetables raw. I know. But remember, and what so- was the thing that you talked about putting into smoothies? Beans? Were you putting beans? in smoothies? Oh, oh, I put everything in. It was so amazing. Broccoli was tricky because it has very strong taste. I tried beets once that was really hard that you cannot get rid of the taste of dirt. A beets in a smoothie, um, But spinach is great. Of course, everybody knows that. I did try beans once. I can't remember if it worked. Yeah. You know, when you're putting I feel beans like on in,
0: this podcast, you talked about putting beans in a smoothie and I think I was horrified. I don't know if I was more horrified good. by that or the banana and stuff. <laughs> Don't you? Hey kids. Hi both. Santa left you something (laughs) from it is a banana. I was gonna put it in your lunch tomorrow, but instead, since you don't have school, Santa just put it in your stocking.
1: (laughs) And mind you, I will say this. My children are grateful for everything I give them. So you can judge. But I have very grateful children. Oh, gosh. I love it. Oh, so, feels good know, to laugh. Spoil your children at
0: your own risk. I know. I mean, you might And if, just... And, hmm. and let, let's just end on one final note from Marjorie, which is you can't live off of homemade cocaine. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. my gosh. Tricks it, and, and coffee. It'll get you higher high than I did. No. Four years. Had a couple of heart palpitations that were a little <laughs> worrisome, but I will say this: never gained weight. <laughs> I think I titched down to ninety three on that one.
0: Boy, and wow, wow, what a badge of honor that is! Yeah, yeah. what a
1: healthy ninety three that
0: was. Oh yeah, my no. gosh, Marjorie, I love it. This is why I love these watch, read, listen podcasts because yes. it's not. It is yeah. about what we're watching and reading yeah. and listening to, but it's more about the other stuff.
1: The other. <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> That'll be our promotional tag for this episode. That's right. It's more about the other yeah, stuff. stuff. If you're you enjoying the other stuff that is this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts. It'll help. But
1: find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.